Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Yeah, so without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the very favorite guests on TDZ, a yeah. poet, a podcaster. You can hear on the American Hysteria podcast, exploring the fantastical thinking and irrational fears of Americans. No, really? that can't be right. Not us. Not Americans. Through the lens of moral panics, urban legends, conspiracy theories, much else. Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Chelsea Weber Smith. Hi guys, happy Hello. to be here. Hello, as Jack. always. Is it Weber or Weber? It's Weber. You got yeah! it. Woo! Nailed it. First time. Had to make sure. Mm-hmm. Had to make sure. We. It's actually Weber. Oh, Weber. Mm-hmm. Chris Weber. Weber. Thank you. Uh-huh. I, I yeah. went through and <laughs> on all documents, I did a global search of my computer, every document on my computer, and changed it so to make sure it said Weber like Chris. Web three Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. What's new? Chelsea, what's new? It's been too long. (laughs) It's been too long. I know. Um, Well, as I told you guys, we've been working on, well, we actually just finished a Jackass series and that was a lot of fun. And I feel like that's up your alley. Did you guys read Big Brother magazine growing up? I did. I did. And I also made stupid shopping cart, like prank videos at the, at the local grocery stores with my friends. And yeah, I was, I was, I was like at the perfect age when Jackass came out and it, it, basically destroyed half of my body yeah, yeah i remember too. seeing the me jackass too. videos when they were video like vhs's being tra- traded oh, between yeah. people like and, cky yeah. like you talking yeah, about yeah my friend videos? in chicago yep, yep, yep. i went and visited a friend in chicago like in high school and he showed me them and i was like what the fuck is yeah. this this is crazy <laughs> i remember that yeah cky2k or what dude remember that one Oof, yeah when Brendan Valelli beats up all those dudes outside the Seven Eleven, yeah, <laughs> or Mike Valelli, I mean, I think that's his name. Yeah, that part of, we were like, "Yo, dude, he legit beat these dudes up." <laughs> I think oh, the thing, the sketch I remember is someone was just carry like ordered all the McDonald's, was carrying it on a tray, and then just did like a spectacular fall, oh, yeah. and like the, it just went everywhere. I feel like I that's spam. Like, yeah, genius, <laughs> genius. Yeah. I was I was really into Rab himself, Chris Rab. I was oh, like, yeah. oh man, Slewsbury so Stuver for Kiki, one of my favorites. And he hates mustard, and that's his big thing. Is he's oh, terrified that was, uh, whenever mustard gets by him? Is that not? Is that no? Not him? That's like Yorn. Oh right, that's Rake Yorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Who like right, got right. him? He's like Rake ah, Yorn. Like, yeah. Is it? He had the crazy big hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Viking status, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, 
Chelsea, now I'm like, I think I'll have to go back and watch You do, you do. I think you'd like this episode. You should listen to it. It's it's very much about how gay Jackass was, too, and how much of a revolution it was at the time to just have dudes hanging out the way they were and not, you know, being afraid to have their butts out. Even though it was a joke, it was like, a big change from yeah. like the really cool it's like come homophobia. on dude yeah, yeah let me put a firework up your asshole yeah as a you know? bro and you're like okay <laughs> no yeah, yeah, that part, <laughs> I'm that like part. yes homo yeah <laughs> exactly but the other thing i wanted to share with you all is uh we've been doing a new thing on our show called the urban legends hotline and people Ooh. can call in and record stories from their childhood and then we'll like deep just do whatever research we decide. And uh, the one we're working on right now is about this place called Pig Hill in Pennsylvania. And it's about a group of cannibal pig people that eat teenagers on a lover's lane up there, uh, oh, like an yes. inbred family, right? Kind of a classic legend. Um, like and so kind of thing. What'd you say? Like deliverance vibes. Like yeah, a little a bit of deliverance hills vibes. Have eyes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hills have eyes. But more, we've been like getting really into the pig part of it. You know, like yeah, why yeah. are they specifically pig people? <laughs> and I was able to dig up the very first trial that was based on a false confession in American history that ended in wow. an execution. And it was actually <laughs> about a man accused of bestiality. He was like an indentured servant and he was accused of it because the pig gave birth to a piglet that was deformed and looked like the man who was a uh-huh. servant. And yeah. so, yeah, they tried him <laughs> and uh, hanged him for a pig oh paternity test. And that was, uh, yeah, that's that's the very first false confession as well, because they basically badgered him into confessing. And he thought, OK, you know, based on other trials I've seen, if I say if I repent to God and say, yes, I did this and I'm sorry, right. I'll get off. But then they were like, no, we're going to hang you anyway. And then he's like, OK, well, I really didn't do this. And uh, yeah. And then there was a big bestiality panic. And it ended up meaning that women were the ones milking the cows always because men were literally not allowed in barns unless they had a chaperone. Wait, so like a milkmaid is is, is we have that because yeah motherfuckers couldn't keep their hands couldn't off animals basically and they're like that's cows. it well yeah. not exactly panic was around. oh okay it was a on. panic right, right so right, of, course, of course yes that happened but it was a panic around specifically like servants or like poor people who mm. were you know accused of this crime often because it was convenient because they wanted to try them for something else but um once it started to reach like the richer americans where they were getting accused as well then right. uh suspiciously the panic just kind of fizzled out so ah. kind of a classic moral panic but 1600s we must take note of this we uh, must. the cycle we must. of panics and how we can maybe uh abbreviate them because we're in the midst of multiple cycles now <laughs> yeah right oh guys yeah is america have you ever looked into is america more panicked than other nations or is this just a cycle that every country like goes through it feels like america's more irrational right I think it depends. I mean, there are some wild moral panics all around the world. It just really I mean, I think that that's pretty equal across the board. It's just like translated through different religions and cultures. So it's like we might look at one panic like there's a panic in different parts of the world where your penis is disappearing and you freak out. And that's been like even recently, people's penises have been suspiciously disappearing. So, you know, we might cure for that. Not that I'm worried, but what what is the cure for that? that? You know, I haven't looked enough. How do you bring it back? So, Chelsea, how do you bring it back? If it <laughs> well, you know, it never leaves. So it what, just kind of wait, what is that panic? Someone people are claiming their penises have vanished like yeah, from their that. bodies. Yeah. You remember when this, was this? Yeah. I remember this from the cracked days that that was oh, uh, a yeah, panic I bet you do. from another country. <laughs> I bet that, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to like like I just typed in penis it's vanishes like turtle panic. Penis, right? Yeah. They call it turtle penis because the penis like retracts into the body like a turtle's head. Okay. You got it. Yeah. Turtle penis panic. Okay, I'm gonna look yeah. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we could clearly talk about this all day. I, I heard that some bestiality is where Grimace came from, actually, in the first place. That yeah. makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. What is something, Courtney, that you think is overrated? Well, I just opened a student loan bill this morning, so I was reminded about college and how I still owe $8,000 and how I'm probably going to go into my 40s and still owe money. So I feel I feel scammed. (laughs) Yeah. 
What to you was like at the time, right? When you were on the precipice of taking on this debt, what was in your mind? Did you have any foresight or was it just kind of like, I don't know, everyone's fucking doing it. So I no, I, I didn't want to go because I was going to be an actor, too. And I wasn't I was wildly delusional, but I wasn't so delusional that I thought like, oh, the best way to do this is by going to college. You know, right, but right, my, right. my parents were like, you know, this is right. so important. And the thing is, I love taking classes like I still take writing classes to this day. Got but you. I feel like colleges are just for real real estate holdings yeah. essentially <laughs> it's right. so indirect like how the teachers get paid and everything so anyway scam yeah mm. what and you studied theater or acting is that what you want yeah uh yeah i mean nah. I'm a bad call <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> my thing was like i'll study history because my backup will be to be a teacher so at least if I, like with all else fails, at least I have like a degree in something I can be like, and I want to teach that. So fuck it. Like, let's go with it. But yeah, I totally get that. Part of me was like, what am I going to do with this shit? If I'm if I'm going to be a sick ass podcaster. Yeah. Didn't have that for I knew I was going to be a podcaster. I majored in podcasting <laughs> and the, everyone was very confused because it didn't exist yet. But. Yeah, yeah, we all knew. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, what? It's called yeah. podcasting, dad. Colleges are like venture capital firms essentially with yes yeah with classes that teach that also have classes there which i think venture capital firms should just start offering classes and put college thank out you of business. exactly yeah cannibalize them like we'll teach you how to just fucking you know pillage yeah. economically financially go ahead that's one of those industries that uh millennials were supposed to have killed is colleges, right? Wasn't that like a thing? Oh, did millennials we kill colleges don't too? care about colleges anymore. I thought we killed everything. Yeah, but they, yeah. I don't know, they, they still seem to be thriving. A lot um, of millennials went, though, but I do yeah. think in our wake, we hopefully put a dent in some of these, yeah. you know. Maybe the Gen Z kids who saw their older millennial relatives are like, what the fuck is wrong with Courtney? No way. They got taken for like <laughs> Did you have fun at least? Grand. Did you have fun at least in college? Um, I tried to get out of there as soon as possible. So Same. I graduated. I'd taken some PSEO, some college classes in high school. And then I also went to a fast. So I graduated in like two years and made Dang. mistakes in other places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. You took PSEO the and then said, P-S-C-U. That was my <laughs> attempt. I, it, it sounded better. It sounded like it was going to sound more like it in my head and it didn't quite work out. Yeah. Uh, what is something that you think is underrated? All right, ready? Yes. Working. I wouldn't be <laughs> doing my job right now if I didn't take this and every opportunity to mention the ongoing writer's strike. I'm a proud yeah. member of the Writers Guild of America, and we have been on strike since the beginning of May because we want a fair contract, and the studios refuse to even sit down with us and, and discuss it, let alone give us what we're asking for. It's very frustrating. I, I A lot of people, when this started in, in my life, who are like sympathetic to this cause and everything, they're like, you'll probably enjoy a little vacation. It's not a vacation. <laughs> I really like working. Uh, and I, I, writing specifically is a thing that I'm very good at and I just want to do it and the studios won't let me and it's maddening. Yeah. Who had that take that was like, I think the strike Zaslav. went because, yeah, Zazlov's like, because so they big, like to uh, write. fans of Zazlov on the show, Daniel. We oh, uh, sure. are proving him right. And, uh, his, his take was that he, he was like, the strike's going to end because of a love of working. These yeah. people love to work and we're just we will welcome them back mm -hmm, with open mm -hmm. arms. Um, so he's using the fact that you are a creative machine against you. I know. <laughs> which is yeah, so so devious and shitty. How much of it do you think, you know, I've, I've seen that take of like how there's like a big, there's that big obscure thing about like Netflix numbers or streaming numbers and how that's that could affect things. Do you think that's playing a huge part or it's just general? Obviously, there's the overarching theme of greed, uh, on behalf of the networks and streamers. But like, do you do you, I've, I've seen that take going around Twitter. I was curious if you had any thoughts on that. I don't have any extra insight into this than anyone else who doesn't, you know, read Twitter and, and Variety and Hollywood Reporter and all the other trades and everything. But that does make a whole lot of sense because that's something that the streamers won't even they, they don't seem to want to budge on the data, data yeah. transparency. Yeah. And it makes a whole lot of sense because that number could either be 
very, very large. And they don't want us to know that because then it would reveal just how much money they uh, we should be getting in residuals. Right. Or, which seems slightly more likely, that money could be very, the number could be very, very low, which they don't want Wall Street right. and investors to know about. It's all, yeah. anyone who, who has spent any time in, in tech or Silicon Valley startups, like it's, it all sounds very familiar to every single Silicon Valley startup that eventually burst because they, they, yeah. they go big and they go fast and they invest, 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 and they talk about growth, growth, growth and have very little transparency. And then when eventually they have to reveal their numbers, everything falls apart because right. they don't, yeah. they, they inflated their own importance and impact. Yeah, it sounds it sounds familiar to also the ones that succeed, <laughs> like yeah. Facebook. Facebook was did that, and then like this year, I I read somewhere that like Facebook's having like an amazing year, like at the stock market, like really at at the stock market where <laughs> oh. where, where all the I'm going guys to the stock go together market, and honey. just throw stocks back and forth. Yeah, like Facebook's stock is like doing well, or they're I don't know. I'm just like how. How are we still here after <laughs> yeah. Meta, after the pivot to video bullshit? Oh, yeah. And then I, the listener was saying that, like, the the Twitter video views, it's a, I think it's like two to three seconds is what triggers a view. Yeah. yeah. Really? So, right. So we're, we're right back where we started, where people are like, yep. you got to see the fucking numbers we're doing here, folks. Give us your ad dollars. Wait, what? It's all, it's all an yeah. illusion? Fuck. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER And we're back. We're back. And Aisha, so yeah, I, I read the quote, but you, you talk about pop culture informing how we think about ourselves, how we like shape ourselves. You kind of run us through various pop culture figures who you modeled your identity on as you were growing up. 
I've often said on this show that Freud fucked up big time by using ancient Greek myths instead of pop culture archetypes from the 90s. <laughs> I think he could have really made an, a name for himself if he had just, you know, stuck to pop culture. But it, it does feel like there. Yeah, the, these are the things that we should be like as we're thinking about, you know, where does this weird urge come from to stand people, for instance, like these are the figures that I think actually exist in people's minds and like deep in their unconscious. Right. How how would you how did you explain again your, this concept of inadvertent self-formation by way of popular culture? Well, I think especially when we're just kids or adolescents, we're not thinking deeply about what we're consuming what we're viewing or watching, we are just, we're taking it in. We're like a sponge, right? It's just everything uh, uh, affects us and we don't necessarily know how to name it or know how to identify it. And it comes out in how we talk to each other, how we think of ourselves, how we see ourselves. I mean, I, I, I think about, you know, growing up as a kid in the 90s and how casual homophobic language was just like, the Maybe. thing that everyone did. And yeah. if you go back and watch the movies that we were all watching, whether it was like Ace Ventura or like the teen movies of it, like there's all of this casual homophobia, you know, showing up there. Yeah. And so you don't realize until years later, or at least, I mean, I'm sure plenty of actual queer people recognize it in those moments, you know, I, right. obviously it, it was never right or okay. And it definitely was hurting people then. But I think, you know, part of what growing up hopefully is means being able to go back and sort of look at the things that you took in when you were younger and, and understand how they may have and may still be affecting how you view things today. Right. And so that's where the sort of the, the idea of it being inadvertent comes from is because like it doesn't like sometimes it just happens to you and then you have to later go back and realize, okay, how did this happening to me make me who I am now? And a lot of it is is sometimes like going back and undoing, trying to undo what has sort of calcified in your mind and brain right. um, and how you relate to things. Yeah, like it, it was, I, I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, I probably used the F word, the homophobic F word a, a couple times uh, because that's what I, you know, grew up around. Um, right. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of undoing and, and, and trying to become better, hopefully, if you're able to go back and look at those things and recognize right, yeah. those things. I feel like so much of that debate now where people are like, that's too woke are like people who can't let go of like but my favorite movie is this and i have to say it's bad now if i agree and oh it is God. so true yeah. like how much we we take on shit that we see in the media especially in the age before social media like i was everyone's like looking for something that might feel like them or could be them or something you could kind of just feel like aligned with what, what were like the shows or works of media that you kind of grasped and and sort of ingested to kind of become your personality you know i i write in the book about what i call my my hoe phase <laughs> and <laughs> and uh you know which lasted from roughly my late teens to mid-ish 20s and how i kind of had this idea of what i wanted to be as a as a as a girl slash woman and how i related to men boys and men. And I thought that, you know, I had to be sort of tomboy-ish and the type of girl who could hang with the guys, not necessarily like, I never pretended to like sports. Like that was never my, like sports aren't my thing. I never pretended right. to do that. Like it, it wasn't that, but you know, I'd use what I liked, movies, TV, music to sort of signal, oh, I'm like, I'm cool. Like, Super right. Bad is one of my favorite movies. Right, Aren't right, I cool? Right. Um, right. It really is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Uh, <laughs> but like, I would play that up or play, you know, play up the fact that, you know, I was really into, I don't know, Freaks and Geeks or The Wire or whatever as like the thing I put on my dating profiles. And um, I, I saw like this vision of like, wanting to be closer to this idea of masculinity in a way as a way of like shielding myself from getting hurt by boys and men. Mm. And so I was very much like 
Samantha Jones was my girl. I wanted right. to be like her from Sex and the City. Nola Darling, and she's got to have it. The 1986 film, not the TV remake by Spike Lee. Like those were kind of my, you know, the badass women who fucked around a lot and like didn't like were anti relationship, anti getting too close to 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 men. Right. That was kind of what I clung to. And then over time, I realized. Man, that's reductive. And also like acting, <laughs> acting like a man, thinking like a man, whatever. Um, this was before Steve Harvey. Yeah, shout uh, out Steve Harvey. I, was <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't just like, I'm not going to just think like a man. I'm going to act like one too. Um, fuck being a lady. Yeah. But like I, once I realized that that was all kind of a false dichotomy and that even if you do act like that as a woman or as a person who presents as a woman like you're still gonna get the short of the end of the stick because like you're you're still gonna get you're gonna be slut shamed or you're gonna be you know you're it's, it's just there's no winning right. <laughs> and and the right. idea of getting closer like masculinity is not something at least that i want to aspire to in the way that I conceived of it or that pop culture conceived of it, which was often like the ladies man, whether it's Sam Malone and cheers or not, not that this like, actually what I love about it's always sunny in Philadelphia is that it's actually like critiquing those things. But like, I'm thinking of Dennis and like the Dennis system and how like that is clearly something to be, that's like being critiqued this idea mm-hmm. of masculine men and, who are, what were those guys, the pickup artists or whatever? Like yeah, that whole yeah. culture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the game or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that whole thing. I like I thought that's what I wanted to be. And then I realized it's all it's all it's all bullshit. It's all patriarchal. Yeah. And um I had to sort of un- undo all of that uh <laughs> mindset about how to be a good person and how not to be an asshole. Because really I was just trying to mimic not just not really masculinity per se, but just like being an asshole, which is often right. assigned to men. <laughs> right, right, right. And it, often seen as a good thing in men. Yeah. What, Jack, what, what, what TV people, what media people shaped you over the years? Because I feel like I was always a loose co- collection of shit I saw on TV and films. So yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to take a little I bit mean, of this, a little bit of that. Kenny G. <laughs> Kenny G, number one, first and foremost, obviously influenced. I don't know if you've seen pictures of me in fifth grade, but my hair was uh, permed. <laughs> long, permed, and always looked a little bit wet. Uh. <laughs> I just wore, uh, you know, suit dress shirts with a vest over top at all oh, times. Yeah. Perfect. You know, I was, I watched Jaws so many times before the age of like six that I think I was like a combination of like Sheriff Brody and Quint at, at various points or like wanting to be that. And then also Rocky and Karate Kid were the ones that I, where I really saw it in like something about like the, like I thought it was cool to get your ass kicked. <laughs> like, I thought, like I think other people like thought oh, it like was you don't cool go to like, yeah, like other other kids would be like, I'm into Bruce Lee or like somebody who is famously an ass kicker. And the two characters that I really loved were people who could like really take a punch and just like keep getting back up. And so the underdog, yeah, the underdog <laughs> who is just like losing fights repeatedly. I also <laughs> like John McClane, who, you know, is just dragging his like broken body across broken glass, like by the end of that movie, like so, something about that probably tied into the very strict Catholic ap- upbringing that I had, you know, like some like weird Mel Gibsonian, right. like the passion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The passion like, of Jack's uh, sadism or something was, was probably tied in there. But yeah. And then Michael Jordan came along and I was like, I want to be that. I want to be Michael Jordan. And then went to like, you know, early 90s hip hop. And then I'd say like pop intellectuals and writer like Hunter S. Thompson, even though I like didn't love his writing, I was like, man, that guy's cool. I want to, you know, drink and use drugs like the future doesn't exist while still being respected as an intellectual. <laughs> and the yeah, I feel like those were kind of the main ones as I was like still forming myself. Yeah, I, I was just so addicted to TV and like films that like every time I saw something I could like find I was like always looking for like identity in like film like the things I was watching and like 
one of the earliest ones was like Goku and Dragon Ball as a kid. Like I was just like, oh, this like I, I felt like it was teaching me things about toughness. And then then I wanted to be Michael Jordan. And then yeah. I wanted to be Will Smith and Fresh Prince. Then mm-hmm. I was Ace Ventura for about two years with the way uh-huh. I spoke, like just annoying, <laughs> that, like peak annoying Jim Carrey. Every Carey. kid, yeah. every kid, every kid. <laughs> I was I was all righty then, all that shit. Yeah, uh, then, I had I had specific friends I remember who were Ace Ventura for three years in a row, and they, in my memory, the funniest kids I knew. Yeah, funniest right. people yeah. I've ever met. Were, like, you're just doing Ace Ventura. Just totally co-opted <laughs> that shit, and I was like. This man is a genius. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And then I was the Wayans brothers. Yeah, probably Marlon more than Sean because Marlon was a little more outgoing. Then I was Tiger Woods because that was the first time I saw a Blasian person like me on TV, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so I'm that. And I tried to play golf. That shit, I was that was never going anywhere. Then there was The Rock. Yeah. Shot on another like vaguely Blasian person. Yeah. Then puberty hit. It was all rap. I was like Jay Z. I was Method Man. I was Pharrell because people were like, you you kinda you could be like Pharrell. I was like, Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank Wait, you. Really? I, was, I will not wear trucker hats. I was wearing trucker hats and shit. You should have seen me in the early days. I aughts. mean, I, I I wore trucker hats too, because yeah. it was it was the odds. Yeah, you had to. You had to. And at least for me, I was like, that's a trucker hat. I'm like, but Pharrell wears one. So I guess it's <laughs> and Ashton okay. Kutcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't wearing Bond Dutch quite yet. Then I was like, I love Tom Sizemore and Saving Private Ryan for some that reason. That is Just so weird. So <laughs> is, it's because, he knew, Jack, to your point, and go, the Goku thing, he kept getting shot and he kept getting back up in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, yo, yeah. yo. And then my mom was like, there was a monk in Japanese folklore called Benke, who maybe you would be more interested in. So then I got into figures like that. But now I don't think I've moved on past Pharrell, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it is one of those things where like so much of my identity was being defined by the media, sadly. And I was taking cues, especially from like the blackness that I saw on screen as some kind of standard that I had to sort of uphold because I was being fed this very specific version of like what black culture was via like television and film, then other versions from my family. And then other times also being Asian, I felt like I was just kind of like a punchline. So I was always kind of sifting through media to try and give me something. I'm like, well, that shit's cool on TV. Oh, man, Maybe what was, like, the Rush Hour that. era like for you? Oh, Aisha, Aisha. <laughs> let me tell you how, yeah, my cousins, <laughs> my black cousins were immediately, they're like, I was Jackie Chan oh, from the second the first Rush Hour came out, or Blackie Chan, was a lot of things a lot of people say. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was, and at the time, I was like, or I would even, you know, the thing is, you even point that inward, and you're, like, telling other people, you're like, I'm like Rush Hour, the person. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? And then take that <laughs> yeah. on because you'd rather like you got laughs from that. But it's always interesting how I was like, I was always using media sort of like this touchstone to inform those things. And again, it was like out of seeking some way of like finding myself, uh, but also like maybe inadvertent or maybe very intentional kind of personality formation as I was doing that. Yeah, it uh, it, it does feel like a very interesting way to kind of just view the world and the cultural landscape as like these figures that people that like resonate and, you know, they express some like, you know, I, I read this book when I was young about like how movies are like cultural dreams. They're like expressing some something from like our shared unconscious. And, you know, so obviously they resonate and people pay money to see them. But then they have this second life where they shape us in the same way that like linguists talk about language shaping everything we do because they like give us the color palette that we are working with when we're like trying to build the person that we want to be like how we talk what we wear how to like you know hold our body posture wise there's this crazy story about how like marlon brando characters like nobody in the mafia dressed like that until Marlon Brando did yeah. in a movie. And then they were just like, yo, right. that's me. That is yeah. me. That is who I want to be. Like, you wear sweatsuits. And then they started dressing like that. And then that's that's what we associate with, you know, people in the mafia. But it was like this invention by a great artist. In yeah. yeah, that's so funny you brought that up because I, I did an entire I did like this deep dive episode about The Godfather and um, how Italian Americans reacted to it. And I learned that where it was just like they were they, the gangsters were imitating the movie version of themselves. Of them. Right. Yeah. Which is just 
such a great little anecdote and a great example of how there's there's just this back and forth, this cultural exchange between the language of the movies and then the language of the people and how they feed into one another. And sometimes they, they become so blurred that you don't know, it's like a chicken and egg situation, like which actually came first? Like, was this, you know, did this exist? Was it, you know, was Marlon Brando basing the character off of a specific gangster he met? And then it just became sort of the template for all these other gangsters. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to think about that or even something like, I don't know, the the Rachel haircut in the 90s, how everyone wanted that. It's just like, what a weird time. What, yeah. a, what a weird, weird thing. <laughs> how ingrained pop culture is uh, yeah. to all of us. Well, yeah. yeah, and I feel like we see it now even more, right? Especially like with, in politics, like, Every like, especially with like when you look at the symbolism and like the the, the imagery, the semiotics of like poly, like political factions now, like I feel like you see so many people on the right, like far right who are just they like they love the Punisher. They love mm -hmm. the Joker. And yeah. there's like this weird like, again, there are people are finding these archetypes again to I think maybe give even their own like political battles meaning. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like because it might not be enough for them to be sort of get the picture because they're looking at maybe their own situation but they like they're saying like okay i'm on this side of the fence plus punisher oh yeah i like this this is me now <laughs> this is me the guy who is like just unhinged violent and feels like that's the only way that can solve things to make people safe yeah, yeah. i think those two in particular are very like powerful central sort of psychological archetypes that have really you know, like back to Heath Ledger's Joker comes out at the start of the Obama administration. And I think the like resonated with people being like, not everything's OK here, even though kind of the mainstream media seemed to be like, we're, we're good here. Everything's good. Right. We've, Post racial like, history is over. And then right. like the Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix Joker comes out and like adds what I think are two crucial ingredients that he is an incel and that he is like pointedly not funny but wants to be funny <laughs> which i feel like are two of the key features of a lot of the people who identify with the joker and like that yeah i mean that character has been around and resonating for a long time but it just feels like it's really yeah in in the books that are written about our culture there probably won't be as many of them as we like to think but I, I feel like the, there will be a whole chapter on like the Joker and the Punisher and shit like that. Unfortunately, right. yeah. yeah. Maybe just yeah again just shows how much meaning we like extract from like our like our popular culture because it wasn't like no one's like going in history, right? <laughs> like <laughs> like I. I want to like I want to be William Tecumseh Sherman or some shit like or I'm right. John Brown. They're like I want to be the Punisher. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be Batman. And you're yeah. like, oh shit. Okay, so we've completely just exchanged one for the other. But again, yeah. has like that same motivating force behind it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and also like the the meaning that is being extracted is often just like totally out of line of what the meaning originally was or really is. Right. Like. When I think about all the, you know, the Bill Maher types who complain about, oh, you could never get Blazing Saddles made today. It's like, OK, but like Blazing Saddles is actually like a radical piece of like filmmaking. And they're just and yeah, and they're just like focused on, oh, well, they, you know, they're they're using the N word or whatever. whatever. Right. Um, actually, I don't even remember if the N word is used. It doesn't matter. It's like they are taking the wrong takeaways from that movie to prove their point. But really, it's just like that movie was like, maybe it wouldn't have been made today. But also like most people who are actually like liberals, the ones you are fighting against, they would argue that Blazing Saddles is actually really great because <laughs> it's way more transgressive than an episode of Family Guy or whatever. Right. Like it's, yeah. That's we wouldn't let you, Bill Maher, remake Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that would suck and you would do a bad job. All right, let's take one more break and we'll be right back. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. 
Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And so, like, this is just a story of, like, the industriousness of the American spirit <laughs> at this point. This is, like, this is the good good news story. Um, so, Taylor Swift concert <laughs> tickets are impossible to get. So, Swifties who were shut out of the ability to go to the show can now buy some loose confetti from the ones <laughs> who were able to go. All right. Pe- people who went to the show, and presumably, like, some of this is just, they just, like, went to Party City, right? But the, they're know. claiming, <laughs> they're <laughs> claiming that they're taking, they're grabbing handfuls of the confetti, reselling it online. The The pricing isn't that bad. It's only $13 for a pack of 10, but... It, my reason Wait, I'm for sorry, 10 strips of fucking paper? 10 pieces of confetti from the concert, though, Miles, I don't think you understand. It's from the concert. Wait, you're you buying a loose able to get to as we call that on the streets. You're buying a loose Fetty for 13 <laughs> bucks. Lucy's. Okay. All right. Buying a Lucy's. Fetty, confetti okay, Lucy's. <laughs> but much less popular than uh, buying, you know, Regular confetti is confetti Lucy's, just a single loose piece of confetti. For sure. (laughs) But yeah, they're claiming, like one seller pointed out that the confetti is somewhat limited at the show. Only floor seats and maybe some of the 100 sections can even get confetti. It's just like such a perfect encapsulation of, it's like people who are already wealthy or well-connected enough to be on the floor at like the hardest... (laughs) concert to attend in recent modern history are just like gathering up the confetti from the ground. I can sell you the trash from Privilege World and sell it to you. Yes. Yeah. It's elite, (laughs) elite confetti. You guys, I am going to tell you something that may undermine my credibility on the show, but I have have Taylor Swift tickets for the Seattle show. But the funny thing is, is I was able to get them 
My partner and I were able to get them first round. It was no problem. We just got tickets. And then suddenly everything exploded and came toppling I down. And uh, so I'll be got, gathering some loose confetti and I'll send it to you both. I, was I, don't, say, I don't actually have good seats, though. So uh, I'll be able to get my mitts on any You don't any have confetti, confetti seats? No, Chelsea, I don't have confetti Chelsea, seats. I don't have a problem that you're going to the Eras tour. I have it's a problem that you, I'm, I have a problem that you can't get me loose Fetty off the floor. <laughs> That's my issue. So get it together, please. Well, maybe I can get you know maybe I can get in a fight for you and <laughs> something somebody else. Yeah, or I'm cause a headline. To punch a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause a headline, something like that. Another yeah, confetti absolutely. salesperson pointed at that pointed out that people are getting mad at her. But she's just following Taylor's lead because Taylor Swift has created an insane business model, a capitalist empire that's easy for people to jump on. And that fan is also flipping $65 tour crewnecks for $200 each. So, I mean, I, I appreciate the hustle like these don't seem like they're they seem like they're just trying to make money to recoup the fact that they spent they might have spent like an entire paycheck on these i just love the the passionate defense of that fetty salesperson that said taylor swift has created an insane business model people are getting mad that i'm selling confetti at like 30 dollars. but what's crazy is that a people are buying it and b you're in denial thinking taylor swift is not a capitalist <laughs> That's right. Um, oh my god! Because yeah, I mean, like I've never seen somebody truly milk their like audience like this to be like, "Yo, you could buy this album with one extra song on it and a new album cover." Y'all, yeah. In? And they're like, "Yes, yes." I mean, <laughs> God, I wish I. <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. I think I'm gonna. I might just go just to get some of this confetti. The confetti, like I, I truly can't imagine anyone going through the trouble of gathering up the confetti off the floor and then like selling it for $13 for 10 strips like that. How how much like are you bringing garbage bags with you? Like, I, I just think this has to be some cargo pants, cargo pants, Where cargo pants. <laughs> yeah. I've already thought this out, Jack. I've got cargo pants. Whoever I'm coming with has cargo pants and we're stuffing them shits. Yeah. All How right. big are these single pieces of confetti? Because the picture does not have like a to scale. For are scale, these big yeah. pieces of confetti? Are they small? Band-aid size? Like, what are we saying here? I'm, I'm thinking band-aid size. I've, I've never seen confetti. At, like the, the picture is really close up. Really shows the texture. Full <laughs> spectrum of colors, too. <laughs> yeah. The, the colors are great. It's a good, the color, it's a good are we, selling, are we upselling right now? Yeah. <laughs> you guys like, get I, on honestly, I've purchased two packages, tw- 20 pieces of confetti. You said that was an investment for your kid's college, it right? Is. It's for yeah. the future. And for sure. You get where... $2 off if you buy three. So, yeah. yeah. Business, business <laughs> planning. But I mean, Jack, this is it's the same thing. Itself. Like when those like wacky racist people were like bottling up fucking splash mountain water before they yeah. they made it all woke. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's probably all... the same water. No, I guess not. They're probably shutting it down for a while. So Who knows? Either water. way, it's like <laughs> you don't know what the fuck if that's even what they're selling you. But it's yeah, right. Thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you go to parties. Definitely not. Because, like I'm, definitely... I'm putting this in the same category of like it's not worth it to like carry that shit out with you. Like it's just so annoying to like be going to the concert and carrying out just like loose handfuls of confetti enough to make it like worth getting. Like so you would have to have two hundred to even get like I don't know. It's just you're you're making a three Oh, how do you pay for your like okay, can't what's the formula to pay for your floor seat by selling the loose right. confetti after? Like the margins on the $65 a piece for $200 each, like that kind of makes sense. But it's still like, are you bringing are you bringing a fucking forklift with you to the show? Mm -hmm. How many of these shirts are you getting? So I feel like these are all just grifters. Like the Internet is just so, so full of grifters. This is these are not people who actually went to the concert. These are people just taking advantage like there's also somebody selling Ziploc bags of Eras Tour Air, which I no. think is a joke. But that's okay. a straight grift, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. But again, I but it's like this is just this is where we're at. It's like the same you see the same thing in every fandom, right? Like especially with Trump. Trump grifts his, his all of his fans. Yeah. And they grift each the fuck out of each other. Yeah. You know, because they see like, oh shit, y'all buy anything? <laughs> okay, watch this. Y'all want Trump bucks? 
and people are fucking buying them. If you are okay, so floor seats for the SoFi Stadium show in LA, thirty five hundred. Yeah. Uh, so quick maths on that. I need to sell like three hundred, three hundred bundles of loose <laughs> Fetty. So you have to gather three thousand pieces of Fetty while you're there. Okay, so a dollar seems okay. like a lot. Yeah, that seems like a lot. Yeah. Know. All right. I, I'm, I'm not up on the Fetty game, but I mean, it's, it's a lot. but or the smartest person are the workers who have to clean up after the show. And when they brooming that shit up, be like, Yo, yeah, put that in a bag. I could watch this. That I, I could sell see. it to someone who has left Earth uh, right. and I could sell it to them on eBay. Yeah. Hopefully that's that's who's doing this. Or hopefully it's just a grifter. And what is they're... what is something uh, that would seemingly be detritus to anyone else that you would pay actual dollars for mm. is there anything like that for either of you chelsea jack like if there was even if it's something you thought of like oh something from this movie or something from this concert or this even if it was this artist's fingernail right because I, I mean if somebody could get me semen sample of grimaces no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my I, I've got a I've got a big hair collection, so uh, yeah. famous people that I don't talk that much about. But you've seen it, Miles. It's yeah, pretty, I yeah. I keep telling you, man, that in here. If I could get something from the Donner Party, that's what I want. Ooh, yeah. I'm a big Donner Party scholar, and yeah, if I could get, I don't know, I could get some like dirt from their cabin. I'd pay some. I paid thirteen bucks for that. Yeah, just off the strength of someone being like, you know, this is Donner Party Yeah, yeah, party yeah. Dirt. This is fucking You're Donner like, Party Dirt. Donner party open, dirt. Their, open their jacket and it's just full of bags <laughs> of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I would, I would probably buy like like a roach that any like one of my favorite rappers smoked. Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. That's that I feel like I would buy one of those for yeah. like for cash. I mean, I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to pay like a hundred bucks. But if someone's like, yo, man, fucking Method Man was smoking this blunt. I was like, okay, what you want? Ten. You run out of weed, you just pop that in your bong. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, never. Never. Even when I'm desperate, I'm like that's never. I'll die sober before I spark <laughs> that method man roach I bought for fifty dollars from on eBay. <laughs> yeah, like whatever the cleaning crew took out of the studio after like a a legendary recording session would actually be pretty uh, dope to have. <laughs> Like cool. if, yeah, like even if it's like a old cuckoo roo plastic bag. <laughs> exactly. Remember cuckoo roo? Yeah. Like, that- you can hear that bag crinkle on this way in the uh torture sketch at the beginning of Method Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Hobby Lobby satanic <laughs> display. Yeah. So this I think this, this is-, is like the most twenty twenty three story of, of the day. Mm-hmm. And it comes to us all the way from Texas, where an AI artist and member of the Satanic Temple, mind you, used mid-journey AI to to basically take images, like loaded images of the like aisles of Hobby Lobby. And the prompt was uh, Hobby Lobby selling Satanic products. And what came out was stunning. (laughs) Baphomet, (laughs) demons, all the goat legs, everything you could imagine that would make a Christian person faint as they clutch their pearls. But yeah, if you know Hobby Lobby, the hobby store for Christian nationalists uh, who like famously were like, we're not going to pay for fucking any kind of contraception and we can discriminate whoever the fuck we want to because that's our religious choice. So this person, Jennifer Vineyard, made it just wanted to fuck around with the AI and got these images and first posted it to like an AI like art page. And then other people just without even critically looking at it, started reposting it on Facebook. Like this one woman, you can tell she's like reposting from something called AI Art Universe. Yeah. And (laughs) then this this woman says, well, I guess even the quote, Christian-owned companies can be bought for the right price. Severely disappointed. Holy shit. I mean, it's just, I mean, I get it. We're in another satanic panic and nobody is, you know, just credulously sharing shit. But yeah, it's just wild to see how quickly the thing spread. And then again, boom, culture wars. The size is the sizing is so far off. It's, it's really so funny. funny. <laughs> like the the sculptures, the like head, the bust of Baphomet is like, you know, 10 times the size of the nearest thing. One of them actually <laughs> looks like they have little demons like sitting on 
a shelf next to like air fresheners and shit. <laughs> yeah, and like live, laugh, love. Cartons. Yeah, like baby sized or like toddler sized demons just sitting there <laughs> like five times the size of anything else in Hobby Lobby that you can see in the picture. And they're just like, yeah, man, it's fucked up out there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> If you go back to like the 80s, satanic panic and 90s, I think this is a great example of something that happens with an urban legend and especially the satanic panic is like it's called ostension, right? And it's like when there's already some kind of legend, right? So if we think, okay, a town's already worried about a satanic cult because, you know, animals ate another animal weird and left its carcass there or, you know, there's been a murder and nobody can explain it. So there's already this panic around satanic cults. And so a teenager goes, and that's what I see here is like a teenager going and spray painting Satan lives on like an underpass. And Mm -hmm. then because this person's reacting to a panic that already exists and having fun with it and like fulfilling it and fucking with it, then it perpetuates the same problem because then the people who already believe in the legend take it seriously. And uh, teenagers yeah, wouldn't exactly do that, Chelsea. Same. Sorry, no, sorry no, to no, jump no. in here no, and no, correct no. you no. and mansplain. <laughs> teenagers would never do something so callous and chaotic no, no. as to uh, play into an existing urban legend just to fuck with people. <laughs> no, 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 not no, teenagers, yeah. not my teenagers. <laughs> it is. It, or those it is. with a teen spirit who are yes. making AI art in yeah. right. temple. Like who's a, apparently like a pharmacist in training <laughs> like, in nice. the article. They like, have like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be a pharmacist, but also like, fuck <laughs> Fuck this, like (laughs) these people freaking out over shit. The comments on it are people who said, I haven't seen this in hours, but it's been a couple of weeks since I've been in there. That's insane. (laughs) Another person had half a brain and said, I'd have to see this in person before I'd believe it. Good for you, uh, dear (laughs) Facebook user. Another one said, wow, now this is crazy. Did the Christian owners sail or are they just in compromise and crossed the line and gone woke? This is absolutely <laughs> insane. And a line real Christians would never cross. Thank it's you. So funny it's such a famously Christian chain. Yeah, that's what source, I love about which it. Which I think that's why they did it, right? I it's love like, the prodding yeah. of it to be like, well, what about your sacred hobby lobby? Guess what? Yeah. They're in bed with Baphomet over there. And they're like, ah, <laughs> we have nothing anymore. There's another. I just love this one. Screw satanic people. (laughs) 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 Screw satanic people. Look, all I'm... (laughs) They go look after... They qualify. Screw satanic people. Look, all I'm saying is that satanic people are stupid and obviously you worse the damn devil. I think maybe meant you worship the damn devil and stuff like that. And that's disgusting. I could never. And satanic people can go work right really where they belong, which is hell. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. At least they're working. Yeah. (laughs) Go work. Nobody wants to work anymore, I thought. Yeah. Unless you're a satanic person and then you got you got your late for your shift in hell. You're working twice as hard. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like, I don't yeah, this this is it this feels like more of what we're gonna see more and more of shit like this, to your point, like Chelsea, of people already like on an edge or like on a on like a tight wire. And all it takes is just a little bit of like visual stimulus to suddenly kick it right back in and be like, oh, my God, this is true. I don't even know. I'm not even I can't even think critically anymore. This is true. That's all I needed to see because my confirmation bias is set to three million. Yeah. Well, do you guys think that this kind of thing is helpful or do you because I look at this sometimes and like as much as I don't want to feel this way, I'm like, ah, you're really like. I, I think this is funny. I think it's great to piss and out, piss off and outrage and freak out people. But then it's like it does have the same effect of just adding to this story. So I just I don't know. And I don't think this person really meant that to happen because it looks like it just was pulled. Right. It was pulled from some. Yeah. AI and, thing. and then they posted it like on Reddit and like on their own right. Facebook. And then just it, it took off on its own. But so I it mean, wasn't a hoax, a purposeful hoax necessarily. I think it was probably half hearted. Like, bit, hey, see where it goes. See where it goes, because I'll make an image that people will take seriously. Now, what people do with it after that. I mean, she said her one regret was that she didn't spend more than 10 minutes making it because like some people were like, I see <laughs> pound signs next to the prices. Like, I don't know if this is happening in the U.S. then yet. And people were like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, because in other countries, they put pound signs next to prices to your point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for sure, like it for it prolongs this this situation 
uh, in people's minds, especially for the people who probably are not thinking critically and are just like, yep. And that's, yeah. And it's even Hobby Lobby. And then someone mm-hmm. will tell them that's fake. And they're like, but I be- I'd believe it if it happened. Yeah. Um, and the and so, fact that it's Hobby Lobby is helpful to me because it's yeah. like you are like, if you're going to weaponize this against something, then at least yeah. it's against, you know. That's the only reason I even brought it up because if it was someone doing that shit in Target or whatever, I'm like, no, this is like, I don't, like, this is just I, I see this yeah. stuff, pure cynicism yeah. in it. But because of Hobby Lobby's, you know, reputation yeah. as being an upstanding Christian company <laughs> that discriminates indiscriminately, um, like, it is. then I, I feel a little less, but I, but I, I think it's an important thing. And I guess t- for you, who's someone who looks at this kind of thing, how could you, like, is there anything anyone could do to abbreviate something like this? Because it seems like once it's out there, people are going to believe what they believe. And we see this in this especially post-truth era we live in, where even if they're presented with the truth, they still pivot to something like, yeah, but I could see how it would would be real. And it just. Yeah. Yeah. And it is I mean, it it's is. a million dollar question, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I. I how do we solve to, this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do <laughs> we get rid of the satanic panic <laughs> since we did it so well uh, before? But I don't know. I mean, I, I go back and forth because it does feel like an uphill battle that's possibly. I mean, this is a this is so ancient. This is an ancient right. thing. I mean, if you go back to like even Jewish blood libel with Christians saying, okay, Jewish people are satanic and they're sacrificing children. And, you know, this is like a thousand years ago or more. So it's like, I don't know. I think it's just like we were talking about with moral panics all over the world. This is just the most entrenched thing because you're dealing with what you consider the biggest evil, right? And so when you have this, especially like you have like a satanic child killer of some kind, which apparently we all are, you know, it's easy then to justify whatever you want to do. And so I don't think people are going to let go of the ability to demonize literally an entire group of people or entire political affiliation or whatever, and then, you know, justify whatever they want to do in retaliation to that evil. So I don't know if it's, I think, you know, sometimes I get pissed off at at certain celebrities that really play into sort of the satanic Illuminati thing as a lark. But I do think it has a lot of negative effects for people who aren't like massively rich celebrities in small towns who might say, okay, like, this is connected to gay people because a gay artist has like really played into the satanic thing. I think that that Mm. can have some damage, but I would never say that it's not. I don't know. It's I really toe a line there of of not being sure because I do feel like sometimes it trickles down and does harmful things to really play into that. But at the same time, I don't know if it really truly makes a difference or if it's just entrenched and always going to be there. Right. I I feel like the fact that these are all like the sizing is off. Everything's like just a little (laughs) too stupid. Like, I think that that makes it extra fun and worthwhile like i have no notes on this because it it, inherently like it's exposing the stupidity of the people who would get mad at this by being like this is (laughs) yeah the hobby lobby is selling these like (laughs) life-size satanic sconces (laughs) like (laughs) next to yankee candle decorations and it's not even halloween it's just like yeah yeah just just one head in the middle of of the fucking lamp aisle is so, right. <laughs> like they're and, you all know, I'm just... looking at these they're not even baphomets really i don't even yeah. know they're like dark angels with wings coming out of their heads yeah, you know? yeah true. Like, there's like one goatee one goatee head but yeah a lot are just sort of vague ai <laughs> demonic regalia yeah. i i truly have no notes on that like they, i i think they should have a second thought about like whether they should have spent more time on it because i think they spent just the exact right amount of time on this one. Yeah, or just go, I, I think shit posting is like one of the last like things that one of the, the last, last thing we have we before have. the fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like we, we have to like create truth that is like, I don't know. We need shit posts for comfort. Yeah. yeah. I think if anything, go harder and make it s- like go for the most unbelievable thing yeah. possible. True. Where it's like they're selling Jesus and Baphomet 69ing right. like dolls <laughs> in the kids' aisle at, at Hobby Lobby. Like yeah. here they are. And people, I, I mean, I'm sure it's just so funny because people are with, like so, it's just, it is, again, it, it's like horrifying too. 
that some people are really like, yep, those are the stakes and that's the situation I'm in. They are making this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. Well, anyway. Absolutely. But I like screw satanic like, people. <laughs> Look. You're going to get so many comments where words that shouldn't be capitalized are and it's just oh, complete yeah. capitalization anarchy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do love that it was a satanic was treated as a proper adjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, so again, this person. Screw you, woke moralists. Is that, is that what the that quote was from Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah, I've, I go to I'm hell, right. woke moralists. It's not on my quote of the day calendar. I have for him. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's coming up though. Just, yeah, it's just coming wait. up. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's weekly zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye. something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get, but with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.